Welcome to Marketing Tips for Translators for a successful freelance career and lifestyle with your host, Tess Witte. Welcome to Marketing Tips for Translators, the podcast where we're picking other translators and other experts' brains on how to best achieve a successful freelance translation business and career. Today we're going to talk about first impressions and why they are so important for our business, plus how we can give a good first impression to our clients. With me today, I have a translation agency owner who gave a presentation on this topic at an ATA conference a while ago. When this lady is not running her business, she is actively enjoying an outdoor lifestyle either in Germany, where she's from, or in California. This multi-talented woman also loves to play her 100-year-old piano, her fiddle, or low-D whistle, and keep on practicing Scottish and Celtic tunes to the latter, too. So welcome to the podcast, Dagmar Delachko. Thank you, Tess. Thanks for having me on your podcast. It's nice to have you here. What um, Can I ask you, what is a low D whistle? A low D whistle is uh, actually it's like a tin whistle, except that it is much larger. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe comparable to a, um, in German we call it a Altflöte, which would be uh, the deeper mm. recorder. Mm-hmm. And the whistle is made out of a high quality metal. At least you hope it's a high quality metal, otherwise it can be more like a tin whistle. Okay. And it has a pretty mesmerizing sound once you learn how to play it properly, which I'm still working on. <laughs> wow, I would love to hear you play it. Yeah, don't ask me to do it right now. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> we'll save it for another time. Absolutely. So a hundred-year-old piano, did you bring it from Germany then? No, I actually found it, or it found me. Okay. Um, that's a story that's too long for this podcast, but uh, let's leave it at that. That it actually was made very close to where I grew up, mm-hmm. and uh, an older couple was trying to literally get rid of it because it was in dire need of repair and they were moving. Mm. And uh, it literally found me through some acquaintances. They said, "Didn't you look for a grand piano at some point?" And you know, a grand mm-hmm. piano, a new one, is very expensive, so I've never. Mm-hmm. One, but this one, since they literally were giving it away because of all the repairs that it would need to get it to a playable point again. Mm-hmm. And I saw where it was from. I couldn't believe it. I said, I, I can't believe that this piano is sitting right here in this in this town. <laughs> very, very nice. Very nice. So needless to say, I fixed it up by now and it's playable again. <laughs> Good. Okay, so you are a translation company owner, and you've been that for quite a while. And you have given a presentation on why first impressions matter for translators. So this is what I would like to talk to, talk to you about today. Mm-hmm. But first, before uh, we, we talk about that, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your career in translation? Um, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, I grew up in Germany. That's where I studied, at least the uh, first master. Mm-hmm. And while still in uh, gymnasium and high school, 
I obviously got to that point where I had to decide what I wanted to be if I wanted to go to the Academy of Arts or do music or do something that I could earn some money with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I uh, ended up deciding to go to the uh, language school, which was a really good okay. decision. Okay. And when I moved to America in my early 20s, so I realized that Americans at that point thought that a translator was actually not considered a profession because pretty much anybody who came in spoke another language. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. luckily changed by now because uh, the, the requirements for immigration have been have evolved. And I ATA mm-hmm. had something to do with that. Um, so when I came, I ended up having to do other jobs, which was a good thing. And I got my MBA in California because that was the only way I could stay mm-hmm. um, without without a visa at the time. Okay. Yeah, but uh, that was a really good thing because it allowed me to work in international business. And I worked in import-export international marketing, uh, worked in a larger corporation. And having had that experience before I came back to the languages was really good because I under I have a feeling I understand my clients so much better because I have walked in their shoes. Mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. understand what their needs are, what, what could they possibly be looking for. So the discussions I have with my clients are rarely transactional. They are usually consultative. Mhm. And okay. I think that that's a big advantage. And a lot of translators probably have that and maybe don't uh, work on it enough that they actually have experience in certain areas. Mhm. So, when did you decide you you were never as a translator yourself, no, right? No, I, I worked as a translator actually um on the side since I came to America, so that was since uh, 88. Okay. And I worked in a translation agency for uh, about a year before I started my own agency. And starting my own agency, I would say 80% of my work initially was my own translation. And mm-hmm. then that it quickly changed. Within a year or so, it, it was 50-50, 50% my own translation, 50% project work. Mm. And it evolved more and more t- to... Uh, at this point, 99% project work. Mm. And now your uh, company is, how old is Paris? Almost 20 now? years. Wow. Year. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. Yeah, the official number for uh, 1996 we incorporated in okay. Massachusetts and then 99 in, again in California. Mm-hmm. So you have lots of experience of... Um, making for a good first impression with clients then because you've been on both sides and you work with it every day. So how can freelance translators make a good first impression to their clients? I think it uh, matters a little bit who your client is, if it's a direct client or an agency client. Mm. Um, For many translators, maybe they think it's a little scary to have direct clients. Mm-hmm. It definitely has its pros and cons. And I think a mm-hmm. lot of translators may only start to realize the challenge of working with direct clients after they try that for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, agencies provide a buffer. 
if you work with a good agency that pays well and values your work, you actually have it much easier because they deal, the agency deals with the uh, receivables, deals with all the issues that one can have with clients, um, all the communication. But obviously, if you have direct clients, uh, your pay is higher. You should be higher. You shouldn't spoil your direct clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you work with a direct client, oftentimes it depends how you work. If you just work as a translator or if you work as a small team and provide translation and edit. It really depends on the type of work. Um, I know a lot of people who do, say, financial reports or they're... Um, Maybe they work for a scientific uh, organization and they uh, translate science reports and such where it really is perfectly okay to have just the translation Mm. and uh, where an edit is not needed. But a lot of uh, clients don't seem to understand why translation and edit gives them a better end result. They often just go for the low cost. Oh, I just need a translation. Okay, so let's so, let's say then, that you were going to. Why, how do you make a good impression? <laughs> right. Yes, so let's pretend that I have been contacted by an an export company here in the U.S. who want me to localize their website because they are are establishing in themselves in Sweden, and they say, "Can you can you localize this website and all the product material on it for me?" And how how can I give a good impression then and explain that the process? Um, in a case like that, it would probably be good to uh, obviously have the experience of website translation so that you can talk with mm-hmm. them also from a technical perspective. Ideally, mm-hmm. you have a colleague with you where you can present yourself as a team and say we also proofread and we edit and improve the final output. We mm-hmm. work with your team to so figure mm-hmm. out who is actually, so from a technical perspective, being able to understand what goes into a translation is important and will give you a much more professional impression than if you were just saying, oh, okay, tell me how many words and I'll translate it for you. But mm-hmm. if you can involve them in a discussion about, okay, so what's involved in this website? How is it built? Is it just a straightforward HTML code? Um, does it draw on a database? Do you have like your whole product database running behind it? Do you want those translated? Data. Mm-hmm. So getting the client to understand what it takes to translate their product in this case. Mm-hmm. And all the character limits for all the buttons you, and stuff. Exactly. Those, all those little details. And I think once you involve them in that kind of conversation, they will see, oh, this person actually understands what I need. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I would never go in and just say, oh, okay, how many words? And okay, this costs X, Y, Z dollars per word. And I think you're done with do it. You, do you prefer? Do you think it's better to explain this in an email or to just pick up the phone and call them and have a discussion? For a project like that, definitely the phone. And that's mm-hmm. something that nowadays um, a lot of people, they undervalue the the actual phone call. Mm-hmm. And present being able to present yourself as a professional, being able to communicate and actually build a relationship I think what is important with making that impression is that you're not just a vendor. 
what you're trying to avoid is that they're going to go and call the next agency or the next translator after they hang up, that mm-hmm. they are so impressed with what the discussion that they just had with you that they think, oh, this person really understands what I need. I don't even have to look anywhere else. So n- not uh, to make a good first impression, we should not think of ourselves as just the vendor. We should think of ourselves as a consultant. As a consultant or as a partner. Mm-hmm. You are okay. trying to do something for them, with them. Both of you are trying to get that Swedish uh, audience to look at this website. You know, being the same, mm-hmm. putting yourself in the same boat, so to speak. I think that's that's critical to, to build that relationship and making that impression. Obviously, involves interpersonal skills, communication skills. And yeah, just an email is never enough for something like that. And especially with new clients. I rarely ever just respond by email. Maybe if I don't have time at the moment, I will respond quickly. That's another important piece for first impressions. Mm-hmm. Don't just sit on that email for three days and then think, oh, yeah, somebody sent me an email. I would just reply right away and say, thank you very much for your request. Um, I would like to find a good time to talk with you and then also you know, respect their time. Mm-hmm. When is a good time to talk? and then schedule a time to have a conversation. Mm. So what if this were an agency contacting me about sort of the same request, but it's through an agency and they contacted me through email? How can I then make a good first impression to an agency? If it's a big enough project and this is an agency you want to build your relationship with and here you have questions about the project, mm-hmm. um, I would definitely call them as well and find out, okay, who would be the editor uh, working mm-hmm. with, what format, because the agency may just say, oh, okay, you know, it's 5,000 words of web text and can you do this for me by the end of the week? You know, that mm-hmm. may be all the data that you get, but I would definitely find out more. If you want to build a relationship with the project manager, it's definitely a good idea to also call or at least email with enough detailed questions that they see, oh, okay, this translator is not just going to haphazardly translate this, but actually think about it, ask questions. Mm. Yeah, what you just said about the character limitations or something, that, mm-hmm. yeah, that's critical. Mm-hmm. So during your presentations, you gave us five questions to ask every time we interact with the client. Which questions are these? Actually, I had to look that up because I thought, <laughs> <laughs> what questions did I ask? Was it really five? It was actually six. Okay. Maybe, maybe six. it uh, could be five if you wrap some together. Okay. You know, some of those questions were like, why is a project needed? And people will, mm-hmm. will usually stop in their tracks and go, well, I just need it. <laughs> okay. But it opens up the purpose question. And that okay. you have, you know, who is your target audience? Or, or also, what is the source of this document? They go mm-hmm. back to your website question. Um, mm-hmm. You want to ask a little more than just the project spec. Now, that was the other question. What? Length, content, format, that kind of thing. Um, but if you ask about the purpose, why and who, um, 
it will come out if, if that particular website is actually presenting a product that is currently only sold in the US. Maybe maybe it's not maybe it's an electrical gadget that doesn't even have the wiring for the uh, European market. You know, all those kinds of things. Okay. Okay. So the why and so why who and who is the target, target. What and are, what? what are the project specs, the exact information about the project, and mm -hmm. where it will be used. Okay. And maybe that was wrapped into the how, where and how, because where would be like the country, the region, and how would be, you know, is it print, web, video, is it PowerPoint, okay. you know, how, how are you planning to use it? Because sometimes you get text in a Word document and it turns out, Oh, they're really going to flow this into a really complicated uh, brochure, and all of a sudden your wonderful uh, headlines won't even uh, work anymore because there's not enough space. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, all this kind mm -hmm. of. And of course, then another important question is when. Sometimes mm, you get yes. artificial deadlines, or they actually have a trade show coming up and really, really need this. Mm. Mm. Is this also um, these questions are are they also valid for an agency? Yeah, definitely. This is if 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 you sent me a job and I would come back and ask you these questions, that would be good. Yeah, I think then I would have a sense that okay, this translator is really uh, involved. Mm -hmm. It's also not just going to do this as a transaction. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Although I know you provide very good specifications in your emails <laughs> already. So um, how can we improve our communication with our clients? Do you have any general how we can improve it tips? Um, specific tips, you know, if, you, if you're talking about email communication, I think clear subject lines. This is something I've been harping on and sometimes I catch myself not doing it. Mm. But... I'm sure you've seen endless email threads with a subject line that is long since no longer relevant to the content. <laughs> mm, mm. Or I've, what I have often, the problem I have with clients where they respond, say, I delivered something, and it's a project from three months ago. They find my email and reply to that with something completely new. Oh, yes. And I look at I'm going, what? This is this is something that I, I thought it was delivered. It's all gone. Why is this even relevant? Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. <laughs> For anybody who writes you know, or a clear subject line when you introduce yourself, you know, not to use something that will automatically end up in the spam folder, mm -hmm. you know, like resume or work or... <laughs> Mm -hmm. And then uh, in okay. writing, of course, the structure of emails, I think, is really important. None of this runaway kind of stuff where you mm. have endless email threads. Mm. Um, you know, uh, file naming conventions. When people send resume and they call it resume, it's not very helpful. <laughs> no. So your your tip is to, in, or we should include our yes, name, uh, resume, name, and language combination. That's what I, I think learned. That's definitely a good idea. And if you want to put the year on it, because sometimes uh, it gets filed. Mm, okay. 
or if you ask if agencies ask you for a new resume, then it's always a good thing to have your current year on it. Mm. Okay, that's a good tip. So you you also during this presentation gave us a few tips on proofreading. Yeah. Can you share share uh, these proofreading, with us? You know, I, I have to say that I I have talked about this at not just this presentation but at many other meetings with translators. People really don't um, pay enough attention to proofing their own work at the end, and even if you, you say it goes out to an editor. Mm. Um, one thing is the overall look and feel is the that's that goes back to that first impression. Mm -hmm. Sorry, we have some wind coming up, so we have background noise here. But I hope it's okay for the recording. Um, sure. Anyway, the first impression when you get a document back in is the overall formatting. If it is clean, you know, that you don't have indents jumping all over the place. Um, again, that the titles, headers, that they look the same they did in the source or the way they were specified. Mm -hmm. Basic spelling and grammar. You wouldn't believe how many times it happens that even in a headline, there's a typo. Mm -hmm. And if that happens, you look at a document and your first impression is, oh my God, they overlooked that. What else mm -hmm. is going to be wrong mm -hmm. with it? You know, it's it, it, <laughs> okay. a doubt. Or you're thinking, mm. oh no, now I have to check everything because there's such a blatant error right there. <laughs> mm. Mm. So just, you know, when, okay. you, when you look at it, sometimes it's good to leave a document alone for a few hours before you deliver it, not just, you know, translate, be done with it and send it out, but to let it sit and take another look where you have a little perspective mm -hmm. so that you also see it's consistent, it's your style consistent. And of course, you know, you expect it to be complete. It does happen mm -hmm. to the best of us that somehow a paragraph got, goes missing. <laughs> Yes. I'm sure we've all done that at some point. Mm -hmm. Footers yeah, and kind of stuff. Right. things like that. Mm -hmm. Or trademarks, dates, those things. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, another issue that I always ask, like if, if, you, if you know this document is going to end up inward with the client, it won't be mm -hmm. uh, going through another layout step or something to make sure you don't have these uh, widows or orphans, as they're called, you know, where you have like one line hanging on the mm -hmm. next page. And mm -hmm. that just looks bad. Or if, uh, when I ask about how is this going to be used, if this is a double-sided handout meeting, mm -hmm. you don't want that one line on your third page. Because no. then your direct client or the agency, somebody's got to fix it. And they will definitely struggle more with that if they don't know the language than if you can fix it. And you send it in so it is pretty much ready to go to the client. Okay, good, good. Those were some very good proofreading tips and tips on how to make a first, a good first impression with, with our, our agencies when we send our jobs in. So... We got some tips on our communication and on how to deliver a job. So thank you 
Finally, I have a question that I ask all interviewees. Can you share a marketing tip that works well for you right now? Um, yeah, definitely. I think especially nowadays, um, my marketing tips have changed a little bit. It used to be that I said, okay, you need to have a professional website. I think that is a must nowadays, a professional website, a resume mm -hmm. or a profile maybe having a rate card or something um, to send out to a client. That, that's all a given. You have to have that in your toolbox. But I think mm -hmm. especially nowadays, the main differentiator that will get you work is, is personal contact. Personal contact. Where just sending out um, you know, shotgun blasts of, of emails and, and resumes and things is never going to get you the job. Um, one tip that I love to share still, I don't know, <laughs> without aging myself, a lot of years later, mm -hmm. this was still during my MBA study time, one mm -hmm. of the professors uh, gave us this tip on the job search, or he said job search, or if you're trying to do a project and you need help with something, is this, this little tip about networking, that you talk to three people, you pick three people because that's not scary at all. These can be mm -hmm. people you know really well. And you tell them that you're not necessarily calling them to get work, but to ask them if they know people who may have something for you, who are working in international business, working in international organizations or whatnot. And you will be surprised how many people people actually know to work that mm -hmm. network. And especially if you get introduced personally. Again, I think nowadays that is the main differentiator and the only sure way to get any work is if you get a personal introduction mm. Mm. and then respecting that person's time asking them if they will give you 10 minutes so you're and you tell them what you're looking for if you're looking for work as a translator or if you're you know if you're working on a project or whatever your your uh, thing may be that you need to get other people's help, and you'd be surprised how many people will actually help. So do you establish a lot of these personal contacts when you are traveling in, in traveling then in Germany, or do you do that from your, from your office? So I'm to speak? both, and uh, actually I have to say by now my network luckily is quite large, mm. that um, I don't have to work on getting new people all the time into my network because that has now turned into a snowball effect where when people leave a company, for example, they take me with them. Mm. And then before you know it, you have another client because then that other company needs the services. I've been happy okay. with that. So that's been good. But um, yes, I always work my contacts. I have contacts that go back 20 years or more by now many 10 mm. plus years and you know then there's a certain level of trust mm. they know they can trust me that's another point with uh, also for translators you have to be reliable you've got to do what you mm. say you're going to do mm. you know, if you if you say you deliver at a certain time and you don't that's that's <laughs> that's just not how you do business yes okay very good well, thank you. These are some solid tips for us on first impressions. So thank you, Dagmar. All right. I hope it's been helpful for some people. I'm sure it is. I am happy to finally be able to interview you here and that you can share your knowledge 
in honing our first impressions. And thank you, Tess, for having me, and uh, thank you for doing this. I think this is a great benefit for a lot of translators out there. Well, thank you. I would also like to thank all the listeners for taking time out of your day to learn new business tips. I appreciate you all. If you like the episode and want to show it, you can always leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or go to marketingtipsfortranslators.com where you can support the continuation of interviews by making a small donation. Thank you for your support and on this website we will publish show notes, for example, show notes to Dagmar's website. And you can also find other free resources there. So thank you and have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to Marketing Tips for Translators. Download more episodes from www.marketingtipsfortranslators.com. If you like the show, a review on iTunes would be much appreciated. 